Welcome to the Schools and Academies Show podcast. This episode was recorded at the Schools and Academies Show in Birmingham on 13th and 14th November 2019. Don't forget to register for your free place at our upcoming show on www.schoolsandacademiesshow.co.uk. Afternoon session on funding. I'm Simon Oxnam. I'm the Director of Resources at South End High School for Boys and the ISBL National Lead on School Finance and Efficiency. So we're looking at funding um, and I'm going to take it s- difficult to pitch it because I don't know where everybody's at in as far as their understanding. So apologies if it's a little bit basic at times but a little bit deeper at others. So, what is the national funding formula? So the national funding formula is the method that the government uses to decide how much money should be given to schools each year. It is a relatively new formula. Um, It was brought in to remove the historic discrepancies that we used to have in the funding system. Currently, the NFF is in what we call the soft phase. It hasn't been for, for a full hard implementation yet. Local authorities will be forced to use the formula, but that requires a change in primary legislation, and that will be what they call in the hard implementation. Let me try and unpack that a little bit for you. At the moment, the DfE allocate X to your school. That allocation then goes through your local authority schools forum, and what you end up with is Y, which could be plus or minus X. However, having said that, um, increasingly local authorities are actually now following the national funding formula. So what's happening next with the national funding formula? Well, 2020-21 is going to be based on the current national funding formula. Uh, And there's been some delay because of the comprehensive spending review. So that's why they're staying with the formula as it is. For 2021, we know that we've got £5,000 for secondary schools. This is the minimum funding per pupil. And £3,750 for primary. And that for the following year, it's going to go to £4,000 for primaries. So being the um, impertinent kind of chat that I am... I said to the DfE, that's a big percentage difference between what the rise for secondaries and the, the rise for primaries. Is it that all the primary schools are heading over the financial cliff and nobody's told us? I said, where, where's the, where are these numbers come from? And they said, from a certain person's leadership campaign. So I said, are you telling me you've done no modelling to make sure that the minimum is, levels are actually right? It came from somebody's leadership campaign. We could see NFF version 2 for the following year, for 21-22, but that would require um, a public consultation. And as I said, the hard implementation would basically mean changing the statutory duties of local authorities, so would require legislation. There is another possibility that the DfE could do. You get a thing called the Operational Guide for Funding, which you can Google and you'll find. Don't try and search in .gov website, Google it. And in the operational guide, it says these are the factors that are available to local authorities. And if you think of it like a mixing desk, that's the best way to describe it. You've got all of these funding factors. Some of them they can choose not to use. Others they have to use. But the sliders don't go from naught to 100%. They're banded. So they can only move them a little bit. What the DfE could do is close the banding so there's no movement. So you could actually get a hard implementation without changing legislation. But... What they're doing at the moment, they keep putting the hard implementation onto the parliamentary agenda, but it keeps getting knocked off. But they are committed to try and get us there. If you want to know what ISBL think um, about the National Funding Formula version 2, 
Uh, we have the ISBL NFF manifesto, or we call it the Rising Sun manifesto, because that's the pub we were in when we came up with it. Shouldn't have told you that. But anyway, I've put it on the slides at the end, so you've got that information. So latest funding uh, bits of news that we have. Uh, the rate for 16 to 19 for next year will be £4,188. There's also something called the High Value Courses Premium for, for next year. So if you've got um, sick formers who are studying two of those subjects, you'll get an extra £400 per pupil. So that may make a difference. But interestingly, when we think about the 16 to 19 funding, that rate came into play of £4,000 back in September 2013. Now, Raise the Rate campaign have been campaigning long and hard, and they actually wrote to the Chancellor in August and said, we need £4,760 now per pupil to deliver 16 to 19 education. So we're still a long way away from where we need to be. In fact, you could be forgiven for thinking, actually, it would be sensible to close the sick form and fill it with lower school pupils if you've got a sick form, because be, you'd get more money for them. But probably a little bit too uh, controversial. Of course, the Education Select Committee have also taken a position. They are asking for a 10-year settlement for schools so that we can actually realistically plan for the future. The Teachers' Pension Scheme has had an issue, which is probably not so well known about, uh, and that is that somebody um, brought a case for age discrimination. And this was to do with the fact that the scheme changed from final salary to career average. If you were within 13 years of retiring at the point of change, you stayed on final salary. Somebody's now challenged that. And that's probably going to put about a £4 billion hole per year in Treasury's coffers. Uh, and obviously the LGPS, you've had the McLeod case going on. Uh, and we're all enjoying getting through our actuarial valuations at the moment for that. Uh, for Southend High School for Boys, my black hole. Of course, it'd be Armageddon if it was ever called in and the Secretary of State's underwritten it. So there's a debate why it, why it needs to be in the account. But mine went up for a single academy by £623,000 in my accounts this year. Um, other DFE bits and pieces that are around. At the moment, their intention for 21, 22 and beyond is to move the money that currently goes towards the teacher's pay grant and the teacher's pension grant, the top-ups, into the main funding and not have them as separate grants. So that makes actually forecasting the following years very difficult because we just don't know what's going to happen at this point. Of course, because we're now in Perdov, the 14 billion that uh, they, they talk about was a little bit mischievous because what they're actually doing is effectively increasing the pot by 2.6 billion pounds in year one, two lots of 2.6 in year two, three lots of 2.6 in year three. So it's a little bit misleading when they say that. They're obviously with funding that there are two arguments. One is about quantum, the total amount, and the other is about distribution. Often people conflate the two, so we need to try and keep those separate. And it's interesting, when you talk about we're going to level up schools funding, what's actually happening for next year is that most of the factors in the national funding formula are going up by 4%. There's a few which aren't. They're going up by 1.86%. But of course, if you give everybody the 4%, the gap gets wider. So actually, it's not levelling up. It's the complete opposite. So you might want to just bear that one in mind. Next, some politician trots that one out. I thought it might be worth, while we're talking about funding, just to talk about the role of the School and Academies Funding Group, SAFG. ISBL are a part of that group, and that is how the DfE engage with the sector about funding. I say engage, often what happens is a decision is made and it flows down, so there actually is probably not so much consultation. The real difference to that was the minimum per pupil. 
which the ISBL team, we were actually able to get the minimum per pupil into the funding formula through SAFG. But that's how that engages. So the trade unions and the sector bodies meet the DfE once a month to talk about funding. So if you have concerns about funding, you need to be talking to your unions or talking to ISBL uh, and we can make representation on your behalf. So the current funding system, core revenue funding, revenue being different from capital, core revenue funding is delivered through the dedicated schools grant. That's the money that's going to the front line. And the DSG is now split into four blocks. So you've got the schools block, i.e. the national funding formula piece. Then you've got the high needs block, the early years block, and the central services block. The blocks are notional, and there is a little bit of flexibility for local authorities to move funds between them, but not much. Now, there's only three blocks that really get talked about. That's because the central services block is the money that goes to the local authority for them to carry out their statutory duties. And that's about making sure there are enough school places and that sort of thing. I mentioned the operational guides. There's also conditions of grants, which you should be familiar with, which you'll get by Googling, because sometimes people start using funds for things they're not supposed to. And we'll pick that up again in a bit. Other bits of funding, you've got the 16 to 19 funding that we've spoken about. There's pre and post opening grants for new academy converters, sponsored academies and free schools. There's other grants out there as well, like the Trust Capacity Fund. If you're thinking about um, becoming a mat or growing your mat, there's a 16 to 19 bursary and obviously pupil premium. And I'll say again, capital, of course, is separate from revenue funding. So let's look at what the national funding formula actually looks like under the hood. So this is a DfE diagram. It's not one we've come up with, but you can see, see the blocks, the sections there. So you've got the basic per pupil funding, which has a minimum level. And then you've got your additional needs funding, which includes things like deprivation, low prior attainment, lack, pupil mobility, EAL, English as an additional language, sorry, slipping into abbreviations. And then you've got the school-led funding, which is sort of sparsity, the lump sum, split sites, rates, PFI, and exceptional premises costs. Then you come to the next section, which is the geographical funding, that's the London Fringe. And there's other factors in the bottom section, which is the funding floor. From the operational guide, you'll find all of this sort of information in there. So the basic entitlement is the, the amount that the DfE say you need in order to educate a pupil. But of course, and that's a compulsory factor, often referred to as ORPU, the average weighted pupil unit. Then you've got the minimum per pupil, which is an optional factor that Schools Forum can choose to use or not. As I say, more and more local authorities are adopting the national funding formula without making any changes now. Moving on, you've then got deprivation, which is compulsory. So this is based upon IDACHI uh, and FSM. And it's interesting that pupil premium was brought in as a policy to deal with deprivation and the inadequacies of the previous funding formula. So it is quite possible that a political whim might be to take it away again. So what we're arguing for is to actually it needs to be rolled into, hardwired into the national funding formula. Why is it still there? Because in the Conservative Party manifesto when Justine Greening was Secretary of State, she said, how do we keep pupil premium? Because we put it in the manifesto and we've won the election. And the funding policy unit said, just leave it there, keep it. So that's why it's still there at the moment. But it is open to political whim. Prior attainment, again, this is another optional factor that the local authority can turn on or turn on. Looks after children is another one. English as an additional language is optional, as is pupil mobility. Sparsity is optional. A lump sum is optional. Now, lump sum is an interesting one. If you've got, um, as I have, two schools on the same site, I've got an infant and juniors on the same site, the logic would say merge. 
However, if I do that, I'm going to lose £110,000 because I'm going to lose one of my lump sums. That's an interesting dilemma, isn't it? Split sites, rates. We said to the, to the DfE, why don't you just take rates out? Because it just confuses things. Why don't you just pay the local authority direct? And apparently there's some rules, some legislation, which prevents the DfE being able to actually pay the rates direct. So it still has to come into us and out, and out to the local authority. PFIs is optional, as are the exceptional premises. London Fringe, another one of the optional factors, and as is, as is the funding floor. So high needs funding block. That is there to support pupils up to the age of 25 with um, SEN uh, and disabilities, and it supports those of a school age who are not in school because they're excluded or otherwise not able to attend school. Alternative provision, APs, it funds those for, for children and young people, um, and that includes pupil referral units and hospital schools. A child is regarded as being high need if their costs exceed around £10,000 per year. But funding here isn't so much formulaic, and, and the DfE recognise that. And so it's, it's based on past spending patterns. And so the high need really has two core components. Core funding and then top-up funding. Depending upon the, the type of provision, if it's a mainstream school or academy, you're required to fund the first £6,000 of that child's education and then you claim top-up funding for the rest. And again, it's something we've been talking to the DfE about. So my institution, currently we get the £4,800 per pupil. So for every high needs I take, I'm losing £1,200 before I start. Feels a bit twisted, doesn't it? So we've been talking to them about that. If you've got a special school, you get £10,000 for the place, and then you get top-up funding on top of that according to the needs of the child. Independent schools... Doesn't, the core funding doesn't apply uh, and the £10,000 can be quite interesting because what I'm seeing is that some people are actually now negotiating with local authorities and saying well you want us to take these people we could squeeze a couple more in but actually we can offer this this and this so these pupils which are really hard to place that you're paying an awful lot of money to take out of borough we'll take them with these specific conditions but the funding needs to be x so I'm actually seeing people starting to really negotiate with local authorities on that Early years block um, is going up by a small percentage. It's not one I'm going to cover in any great detail today. Moving on to capital funding, the DfE allocates capital funding through the school's condition allocations, which is for academy trusts of five or more or local authority. But note, this is something that I've seen people trip up on. The SCA is not for funding ICT. The devolved capital formula grant, which we all get, can be used for ICT. And in a multi-academy trust scenario, the SCA goes to the trust and it's for the trust to then decide how that money is used and at which location. So normally what you end up is with some kind of bidding process or priority rating system within the trust to allocate out the capital funds. Within a multi-academy trust, the devolved capital formula will go to, is allocated to the individual institutions by the DfE and only by agreement can it be drawn back into the centre of the trust. So capital funding allocations um, go to local authorities, work with the local authority maintained schools, um, also for the voluntary aided bodies and voluntary energy schools. And as I said, it goes to the large multi-academy trusts. It also goes to the sixth form colleges. And also it goes to special schools that are not actually maintained by the local authority and special post-16 institutions with eligible students. Single academy trusts or multi-academy trusts with four or less schools and less than 3,000 pupils they have to bid for their capital funding other than the devolved capital formula. And that's called the Condition Improvement Fund. 
again, the condition improvement fund can't be used for ICT. So if you think about it, if you were going to expand your school and build a new block, you can get the capital funding for various sources to build your new block, but you can't put any furniture, any ICT equipment into it other than using your revenue funding or your devolved capital formula grants. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Just highlighting that one, because I say I've seen people trip over that. Some other points to consider. Local authorities have a duty to ensure that school buildings are in a suitable condition. So if you've got a school joining a multi-academy trust or joining your trust, or you're going to be joining a trust, make sure due diligence is done. And there's an ISBL guide on their website for, about due diligence. There were five schools in Leicestershire that decided to get together as a multi-academy trust. One of those schools had been saving up to refurbish its library. They had raised £200,000. Happy days. Another one of the schools that joined the trust hadn't been doing any maintenance work and had £200,000 worth of compliance issues that urgently needed addressing. Can you guess what the trust board had to do? Take the money that was set aside for the library, use it for the compliance. So say, make sure when the local authority's handing the buildings over that they're in the right condition. Schools can make urgent requests to the local authority if they're maintained, and if it's an academy, to the ESFA for smaller multi-academy trusts. For larger multi-academy trusts, it will be to the centre of the trust, the trust board, if something occurs where you're going to get classroom closure. So if, if the boiler suddenly dies, you can make an appeal. But what you really want to have is an asset management plan for all your settings. Yeah, so you've had compliance checks, you've had condition surveys, roof surveys, and all the rest of it, fire risk assessments, so you actually know what's going on, so you don't get caught with any surprises. Consider looking at the DfE Good um, Estates Management Guide. Isbal and SIPFA do training on that, um, if anybody needs that. I would strongly recommend using professionals to manage your estate, because they will improve the chance um, of successful bids and ensure compliance. So uh, both my trusts... I have retained property consultants who write the bids, create the asset management plans, carry out the surveys, make sure that they pick up all the fire risk assessment information and any aspirational plans that the schools have. So we have a total picture of where we're going to need to spend capital so we don't get caught with a boiler suddenly failing on us. State funding schools, including primary, secondary and special schools with uh, special educational needs, fall into two main groups. Maintain schools, where funding is overseen through the local authority and academies where funding and oversight is from the DfE via the ESFA and they're run by an academy trust and it's the academy trust that employs the staff. Academies themselves are owned and run by not-for-profit private trusts. Trusts are companies registered at Companies House and subject to company law and the great thing is that this whole academies program I'm sure dates back to a conversation in a bar in Westminster between Tony Blair and Andrew Adonis about this, let's form this academies programme and really try and transform the, the school sector. Yes, but how do we do it without changing primary legislation? I know, we'll use the charities model. So what we've ended up with is the most complex set of accounts of any sector in the UK which has to be produced in the shortest time of any sector in the UK. Isn't it great? So... Because academies are funded directly by central government, the Office of National Statistics classifies us as central government, which is why we have to have an accounting officer as the chief executive of a trust. Whereas maintained schools, because they looked after and funded by the local authority, you don't. An accounting officer, their job is to make sure that the funds that are given by parliament are used by 
the purposes intended by Parliament. So that's called regularity, which is why, as part of our audit, we have a regularity audit each year. And it means that if something goes bang, the accounting officer can be called before the Public Accounts Committee. I would venture to suggest, if that scenario was to play out, that the Chief Financial Officer would probably be holding hands with the accounting officer at the hearing. And obviously you've got single academy trusts uh, and multi-academy trusts. It's interesting that the number of academy trusts is actually going down, but the, the number of academies is going up. And what's happening is basically there's merger. The golden number at the moment seems to be 15 to 20 schools in a trust and re- geographically based. It changes all the time, possibly to do with the, uh, the regional schools commissioner's key performance indicators, but it used to be 5 to 10, but currently it seems to be five to, uh, 15 to 20. We find ourselves in uh, an interesting time. We're in Perda, hence you've got me and not the DFE this afternoon. So ISBL, we've put down what we think are the sort of the, the public priority policies around funding. At this point in time, because we're in the, a period of election, you have an opportunity, folks. You have an opportunity to influence education funding. So when those candidates come knocking on your door, you can impart some information upon them so maybe we'll get a, a proper settlement, a long-term settlement for schools going forward. This is uh, ensuring that there's sufficient funding with sustainability for every learner, that funding for additional needs is adequate, because what's happening at the moment is that because the additional needs funding is, is actually almost equivalent, if you had a child that ticked every box in the national funding formula, for a, you'd actually get to about £4,700, which is more than the, the basic need. So what's happening is... It's being used to subsidise, and of course, sixth form funding is too low. So if you've got a sixth form, that's the lower school is probably subsidised in the sixth form, so it's all out of kilter. So what we're saying is that these things need to be in kilter. Every school should be adequately funded, meet the full needs of SEN, increase the post-16, no surprises there, protect the small schools that are at risk of, of closure. The social behaviour piece. Actually, if we did more, if you put more into education, you have less misbehaviour so you don't need and better health in your population so we would need to spend less on health and less on prisons if we spent more on education so that's an interesting point and so on and so forth I'm not going to carry on reading through those there is the the, the manifesto that I spoke about for National Funding Formula version 2 I was in this well-known supermarket recently when this chat with a small child comes in and this child is in a trolley and he's right kicking off and you can hear the father saying, George, calm down, you'll be all right, we can do this. And as the chap's wheeling this trolley around the supermarket, you can hear this child really still going for it. And the, and the dad's saying, George, we can do this. Just got to get a few more items on the list, and then we can go and pay. And this continues as he navigates around the store. Hang in there, George. Just one more thing to find, and then we can go and pay. Finally, he gets to the tills. Right, George, we've just got to get through the tills and pay, and then we can go home to mummy and have dinner. At this point, this lady comes up to the chat and says, I'm really so impressed with how you've been talking and communicating with your son, George. No, 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 you don't understand, says the bloke. No, no, I'm really, you've handled it superbly. No, 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 you don't understand, says the bloke. He's not George, I am. I just want to challenge our perceptions around funding and the situation that we have. As I said, we have an opportunity as the candidates knock on the doors, talk to them about funding, read up on what we're saying. Um, it's something we think that the whole um, sector can get behind. Challenge your MPs. We have a chance to change the way th- funding is working at the moment. 
I don't know what the colour of the next government will be. It could be multicoloured for all we know. But we have a opportunity to make a difference. Thank you very much and good luck. Don't forget to register for your free place at our upcoming show on www.schoolsandacademiesshow.co.uk.